And God says, do you know where you're going? No, I haven't a clue, but let me drive. It's a problem we all have. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, do we? So it's better to put your trust, faith, and hope in the one who does. I've oftentimes shared this. God knows more about tomorrow than you remember about yesterday. So Dana, daughter of Leah. Now we know that he had other daughters. We're going to read about this here in a minute. But she decides to go to town and hang out with the girls. Now you got to remember the reason why God told him to go to Bethel is because a lot of these places had very low morals. And very few people that have departed from the truth of God's word views the value of human beings the way God does. That's why Christians are unanimously united in a, against abortion. Because we view life from God. David said, when I was in my mother's womb, you knew me. That's why Christians are anti-abortion. Because we view life differently than people of the world. But the problem is, when you get into some of these other cultures, which Shechem was one of these, it was a a, a place of moral depravity. Women had very little rights. And what was done to women really didn't matter too much. So look at the story. And when Shechem son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, this is speaking of Dana, saw her, he took her and laid with her and violated her. And his soul was strongly attached to Dana, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me that young woman, as a wife. Wow. The last time I read something like this, uh, you also remember um, the words of, of um, Samson concerning the Philistines. Get me one of those Philistine women. You know, a lot of times we don't think well when it comes to picking spouses and love and relationships and all these kinds of things. Well, here's one of the problems. It says here... That not only did he not recognize the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this guy was serving himself. And he goes to his dad and says, look, I want that girl. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dana, his daughter. His sons were with him, in the, at the, they were in the field, in the livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. This is interesting to me because we don't find any outrage in Jacob concerning his daughter being raped. He said, well, we'll just wait till the boys come home and then I'll talk about it. You know, Jacob is still a lot of Jacob. Yeah, God changed his name from, from heel catcher to chosen by God, but you'll notice you will, you will strengthen wherever you live. If you live in the, in the heart of God, your heart's going to be strengthened. You're going to adapt more and more of God's principles. You're going to see life more and more like God does. And on the other hand, if you live in the world, you will adopt the philosophy of the world. This is one of the great problems where Solomon said, 
It isn't that the good rubs off on the bad. It's the bad rubs off on the good. This is a problem. And so that's why we have to choose wisely our friends. We have to choose wisely those who love God versus those who don't. And so it says, he held his peace until they came. Then Hamer, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now, by the way, we know that they'd been there for quite a while. When he, Jacob, left his father-in-law, Dana was about six years old. She's somewhere probably a teenager, mid-teen, goes out to meet the other girls, and in the process of doing so, this guy comes on to her, rapes her. This is the problem. And so now we find that in this relationship is getting all convoluted and goofed up. It says, Hamer went out to meet him. The Bible tells us that he pitched outside of Shechem. He wasn't actually in the city, so that means Dana probably saddled up one of the uh, Porsches and drove into town. And as she's in town, she meets with everybody. This guy gets involved with her, all these different things. But everybody knew who Jacob was. He was a very wealthy person. The Bible gives us the, just in the gift that he gives his brother, coming to meet him, he gives him over 500 animals as a peace offering because he believed that maybe he thinks, my brother thinks, that I've come back to claim my inheritance. So I want to show him I don't want anything that he has. I'll send him some, some, some animals. That's what I'll give him. I'll, I'll give him some sheep and some goats and, and all those different things. And so in heats, he would send him. Here comes all these. You know, it looked like some probably a rodeo out of, out of uh, gun smoke. Here comes all these, these cattle, all these things coming towards him. Well, what are these all about? He goes, oh, these are a gift from your brother Jacob. Softening him up. And then pretty soon another heat of, of, of animals would come. And soon another group of them came before he and his family came to meet his brother. Well, tells us here, Hamer spoke to them saying, well, excuse me, before we get that far, I want to go to verse 7. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field and they heard it. And the men grieved and were very angry because he had done this disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. But Hamer spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. Now what's wrong with this? They were warned about inner marriage, getting involved with people that had a different viewpoint of life than they do. And I'd say that for everyone today. The Bible says, can two walk together, the Bible says, unless both are in agreement. Not to be unequally yoked together with non-believers. I believe that's not only in marriage, I think that's in business, I think it's whatever it is. Because they have a different value system than you do. And they can cause a real hurt in your life when you do this. Now, I know a lot of times we think, well, you know, she's dating a non-Christian or he's dating a non-Christian. Well, she's going to win him to the Lord. You know, date him, dunk him, and drop him kind of thing, you know? But that's not what the Bible says. We don't have dating evangelism. 
It goes back to a relationship with God where they're time tested and proved. That's what God says that we need to be like. So anyway, so they're there. Sons come in, they're angry. Now, especially Leah's two sons heard that their daughter, uh, that their sister had been raped. Simeon and Levi, these are, are, are Leah's two sons. Dana is Leah's daughter, and they're outraged. They're more angry than the other kids, because the other kids, well, they were half-brothers or half-sisters. But now you have actual, true-blood kindred folk. Hamer is pleading, saying, hey, my son wants, uh, wants your, your daughter. Make an arrangement and make marriage with us. Give us your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourself. No, this again indicates that he had more than just one daughter. So you will dwell with us. And in the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it. Acquire possessions for yourselves in it. And Shechem said to her father and to her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes. Whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask of me so much a dowry, a gift, and I will give accordingly to what you say uh, to me, but give my young woman as wife. He goes, Shechem goes, look. He goes, we want to make a deal here. Let's make a deal. Okay, hey, what would you give for this? Kind of what it was. Now, you got to remember, a tremendous crime had been committed. She was raped. Now he's trying to buy his way out of this rape situation, which is wrong. Because love is spiritual, friends. Sex is spiritual. We have modernized it today where it's just a physical act, but it's not. It's actual part of your heart intermingling with somebody else's heart. Janis Joplin, years ago, before she died, she sang a song, Take Another Little Piece of My Heart Now, Baby. Some of you older people may remember that. I remember I was in school when I heard that she died. I was in high school. But the problem is you only have so many pieces of your heart you can give away. And then you're an empty person. And I believe this is one of the reasons why we see so many of the problems today in our society is everyone's given away so much of themselves, they don't know who they are anymore. And when you don't know who you are anymore, you can believe anything about yourself that someone else tells you. In other words, you have set yourself up for prime brainwashing. If you know who you are, if you're a completed being, I believe very little will rattle you from who you are. But I believe if you've Take another little piece of my heart now, baby. Pretty soon there's not any pieces left. And there was a song by Dan Amos years ago called, I Am a Hollow Man. How did you become hollow? What did you give away that caused you to be physically, morally, spiritually bankrupt? Well, you see, this is what the problem was. So Shechem goes to Jacob and says, look, I'll give you a dowry in advance. Now, for those that don't understand what dowries are, it was basically alimony in advance is what it was. If something doesn't work out here, I'm going to give you this, and then she can live on this, whatever it is. 
That was the idea of the dowry. Now remember, when Jacob went to, went to Laban, as he ran for his life from his brother after stealing his birthright, which actually he sold him his birthright, he comes to town with nothing. He didn't come to town with anything. And all he could do is say, well, look, I fell in love with your daughter. I'll work for you for seven years. I'll, I'll give you my dowry in advance. I'll work for her for seven years. This was customary to do because that means if you forfeited the relationship, they would then keep whatever you gave them. It was their, you know, their open-end bank account. Here, here this is what I'm going to give you. Well, it's interesting here because remember, Jacob was a wealthy man. He didn't need any money as a dowry from Shechem and his son. So this is what they did. Ask me, verse 12, ever so much a dowry, a gift, and I will give it according to what you say to me, but give me the young woman as a wife. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor his father and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dana their sister. These brothers were out for vengeance. Now something interesting about this particular chapter in the Bible, if you are writing a book about how wonderful you as a people are, you would not have this chapter in here. You'd want to suppress the truth. You'd want to cover it over. But the problem is, the Bible is, and not a problem, but the problem is, God reveals to us the true nature of what we're like. This is why Jesus said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. We need a new nature. Why? Because our hearts can be filled with getting even. Getting even will eat you alive. And friends, if you ever find yourself in that mode of getting even, you need to take it to Jesus. Because the problem is, that will eat you up. The Bible says to bring every thought captive to the mind of Christ. Why is that? Because if you don't, you can begin to hatch schemes. And in those schemes, you will find yourself compromising that love that God has for you and supplanting it with hatred or vengeance. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I don't know how God's going to deal with an individual. Now, years ago, I remember when we were downtown, a uh, Joe, he was our, our, our guitarist back then in the band, and he came into church on Sunday morning with a black eye. And I said, Joe, what happened to you? And he goes, oh, Mike, you know, I manage these apartment complexes over by the college. This is here in town. And he goes, these cowboys got really rowdy and, and they were partying until three in the morning. And he says, I went over and said, hey, we're in an apartment complex. There's other people here. I'm getting complaints. Shut up, knock it off and close it down. The curfew here is like 10 o'clock. And I said, well, how'd you get a black eye? He says, they all jumped me. And, and, and one knocked me to the ground and kicked me in the face with his cowboy boot. I said, man, that's a nasty shiner. And he goes, yeah. I said, well, what'd you do? And he said, I went and prayed. 
And I said, what did you pray? And I just, he's, I didn't know what to pray. He just said, I knew I needed to pray. And I began to pray. And I said, wow, that's really good. I said, well, why did you pray? And he said, I wanted to kill him. I wanted to go back in my house and get my shotgun and kill him. And instead, I prayed. Now see, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And Joe was a mature Christian. He knew God. He, he was uh, playing bass on Sunday morning. He was a ministering servant of God. And he said, instead of getting a gun, I prayed. And I thought, wow, that's really, that's really incredible. Joe, that's neat. I mean, didn't make the big old black eye go away and the gash in his face. It was a number of years later, Joe had moved back to California. And there was an individual sitting in my office. And Joe happened to come to town. He did the pop-in. I said, hi, Joe. And he goes, hi. I said, "Uh, this is Rick. I had a lot of talks with Rick. And um, he said, um, I, uh, I, uh, I said, you two have met before. And Joe goes, no, I don't believe so. And I said, oh, yes, yes, you have. I said, Joe, do you remember when you got kicked in the face years ago and you had that black eye and you went and prayed rather than getting your shotgun and killing him? He said, yes. I said, well, this is Rick. He's the one that kicked you in the face. I said, he's now a pastor of a church. And had you kicked him, had you went and got your shotgun and killed him, you would have killed the pastor of this church. But instead, you prayed and asked God to change your heart. And now because of your obedience, this man who you would have killed are leading people into the kingdom of heaven. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And you know, I believe that's so important because rather than this happening here, these brothers hatched a scheme of vengeance to destroy these people. Now, is what this guy did right to Dana? No. He was guilty as guilty can be. But the punishment didn't fit the crime. And so is we, or the, the, the punishment didn't fit the crime. So it says, verse 14, We cannot do this thing to give you our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be reproach to us. Now remember, circumcision was a, was a, a, um, a, a, a covenant between the Jewish people and God. Now, people get into a lot of different things here, but it's a type of living sacrifice, okay? We'll get into this at a later date. But it's a type of living sacrifice. And that was a covenant that God made to Abraham, and that would God would, would honor And so they used this thing of covenant to hatch their scheme of murder. Now we're going to see what happens here. But on this condition we will consent to you if you become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised. Then we will give you our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we'll become one people. 
Now, again, this is in violation of what God said to Jacob, to Isaac, to Abraham. And so it says here that you do this and we'll all get along together. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will, t- we will take our daughter and be gone. And their words pleased Hamor, Shechem, Hamor's son. Okay, that seems reasonable. No doubt they'd heard about circumcision before from other cultures. And so, yeah, okay, we'll, 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 we'll allow this to happen to us so that we can all be one. But here's what's really weird. As these two sons of Jacob, primarily Levi and Simeon, are hatching this scheme... These people of Shechem are hatching their scheme. This is intrigue to me, friends. This is like, like, you know, like a soap opera that doesn't end. Everybody's dirty, sneaky thief and everybody. So, Hamer and, his, and Shechem, his son, verse 20, came to the gate of the city. Oh, excuse me, verse 19. And so... The young man did not delay to do this thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. Hamer and Shechem then, his son, came to the gate of the city and spoke with the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed, the land is large enough for them and us. Let us take their daughters to us as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only condition is, will the men consent to dwell with us if one, uh, and be one people if every male among them is circumcised according to the like they are circumcised? Now here's their scheme, verse 23. Will not their livestock be our property? Uh, will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Uh-oh. You see, they were plotting to take over them. And he goes on and he says, Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out from the gate of the city heeded Hamer and Shechem his son and every male was circumcised all who went out of the gate of the city now it came to pass on the third day and by the way from what um, doctor and medical people tell us if this ever happens to somebody not on the eighth day as a baby but if you're older and you have this it's almost in in it just about completely you know, encapitates you for doing anything. You're so sore. Couldn't do anything. Notice it says they waited to the third day. When they were in pain, that the two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dana's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. Wow, Uh, this is pretty heavy duty. So they raped his sister, but then they killed the entire males of all the town. And they took um, 
They took and killed Hamor and Shechem, son and his son with the edge of the sword, and he took Dana from Shechem's house and went out. And the sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. Uh, again, the, the punishment didn't match the crime here because they killed many innocent people in the process of doing so. They took their sheep, their oxen, their donkeys, what was in the city and what was in the field, all their wealth, all their, all their little ones, their wives, they took captive and they plundered even as it was that was in their houses. Wow. You can see why many historians say you'd probably want to leave this chapter out of Israel's history because it's kind of like really imbalanced. But God's good. And God lets us see that in spite of these wicked actions, God still forgave them and used them. I, I've, had a, I've talked to a lot of people that say, well, uh, I, 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 God would never have me. I, I've done too many things wrong. If I walked into church, the walls will cave in. Really? Then you haven't read the Bible very much. I doubt if anybody in this room has pulled a snot like this. And yet God, who's Levi and Simeon? The twelve patriarchs of the nation of Israel? These are two of them. And so it says, Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the field, among the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me, and I will be destroyed, my household and I. You know, it's interesting, Jacob was still self-focused. You know, never mind about all the innocent people that just got killed. He once again is going back to old Jacob. I got to watch out for number one. I'm the heel catcher. I'll get your goat. And he once again goes back. Instead of realizing who he was, governed by God, now he runs back to what he's used to. But they said, the brother said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? They're saying, Dad, you didn't deal with this according to what was right. A couple of things. Had he been in Bethel, this whole incident would have never occurred. Because he would not have been around people who had a different value system than he did. And even though you live outside of the city, doesn't mean that city outside will not affect you personally. Always remember that. Be careful of the friends and the company you keep. The second thing we find here... Jacob's unwillingness to execute some type of justice by when Shechem came to him and saying, no, you cannot have our daughter. You raped her. You guys are a bunch of heathens. Get out of here. We're leaving here. No, the brothers then, because of his lack of standing up for what was right, they took justice upon themselves. And their justice was unmetered because they were driven because who was raped was their sister. And kill the entire town. Jacob then goes back and says, everybody's going to come and kill me now because of what you guys did. And they said, yes, but when you look at this, 
You didn't do anything when they treated our sister like a harlot. See, once again, we see something interesting in the life of Jacob. Jacob, in spite of his shortcomings, and here it is, friends, and this is hard for us, God still used him. How much more will God use you because you love him? How much more is God's favor towards you because you want to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Jacob was worried about himself. When we become a Christian, as Paul says, no longer I live, but Christ who lives within me. That's where our posture of our life changes. And we're about our Father's kingdom. This morning I pray that if you're living like a Jacob, and you're seeing a lot of things go wrong, and you know you're not where you're supposed to be, that this morning perhaps God would speak to your heart and tell you it's time to come home. That it's time to come back to what God's best is for you. So then you can quickly get where God wants you to be. We're going to read one more verse. Chapter 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel, and dwell there. Do you catch anything about this? I called you, I told you to go to Bethel. You didn't go to Bethel. God put it in Jacob's heart to go back to Bethel. He didn't want to go there. He wanted to go to Shechem instead. All this mess... And the call remains the same. Go to Bethel and live there. You can try, even as a Christian, to be somewhere you're not supposed to be. And you'll never find the peace of God there. Because you're not supposed to be there. Now, Mike, are you saying Twin Falls, I know? No, maybe it's a lifestyle you're having where you're dwelling. Maybe it's this thought process you have that you keep going back to or or taking it upon yourself trying to figure out how to get vengeance or simply not realizing what's really going on. See, Jacob knew what was going on. He didn't want to do anything about it. Hey, your daughter just got raped and you don't want to make a stand. Maybe the reason he didn't want to make a stand was because he felt that he would get into war with the, the, the people of the land of Shechem. Don't know. But one thing I do know, to have and be where God wants you to be, you will be at peace. And the blessings of God will flow there. Somebody said one time, I want to be under the spout where God's glory comes out. If God says, stand right here, and the blessings will fall upon you. But I choose to live over here. The blessings are over here, but I'm not receiving those. So what God wants me to do is realign my purposes with him. Stand and be where God's called us to be, and you'll see the manifold blessings, the miracles of God in your life. Friends, God is still in the miracle working business. But we need to be where God wants us to be to see that. This morning, I pray that if you're not a Christian, number one, you're not where you're supposed to be. I can tell you right now. You are being manipulated by the world in a magnetismal proportion. 
Well, when you come out of the darkness, you come into the light, God begins to do that. Now, sometimes the chatter of the world to us as Christians seems to be believable. And then we begin to think, you know what? Yeah, maybe I need to talk, take a walk on the wild side. Take a stride from the master's side. And we do that. And we find ourselves with our heart filled with things that shouldn't be in there. Friends, I'm just telling you today, come home to Jesus. Rest in Him. God doesn't want you anywhere else than in His love. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I know people in this room, I know people listening by radio say, but Mike, you don't understand what people have done to me. Yes, I do, and they've done it to me, and I've got to turn it over to God. Or like Joe, I will feel like going and killing them rather than praying for them because of what God will do in their life in the days to come. Let God be God. I don't want to be God. Let God be God. You're going to be happier. This morning, if you're not right with with the Lord, I just invite you to pray this and come home to Jesus this morning. We're going to pray. And if you want God to do something new, and refresh you in your life if you're a Christian and you've been distant from God you've been living on the wrong side let's pray let's see what God will do let's pray right now Father I come to you in Jesus name and I'm sorry I'm sorry that I have walked against your best for my life and so from this day forward I commit my life into your hand I ask you to make me the best I can be for you So, Lord, burn me anew by your Spirit. Put your heart in my life. Thank you for everlasting life. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, so fill me now with your Holy Spirit. So I'll have power over sin and power to love people. Even the ones I don't like very much. And thank you for writing my name in your book of life forever. That I can spend eternity with you. So I commit my life into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen.